It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to another very special episode of the Roker Report podcast. To talk about his time as chairman at the club, opposite myself sits a man who joined us in 1997 from Manchester City, went on to score 67 Sunderland goals. He's been a player, a manager, a goalkeeper, a chairman, all for Sunderland. And he's a man who got on the wayside skin almost as much as we got under his. It's uh, Mr. Niall Quinn. How are you doing? Yeah, well? great. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, delighted to be here. Good. So we'll start right at the beginning of your time as chairman. Sunderland plummet out of the Premier League with a record low points total. We looked dead and buried from about December. What possessed you, <laughs> and I'll use that word, to start thinking about getting investors involved and in buying Sunderland, and what was your process? Yeah, so how it came about was uh, Bob Murray, Sir Bob as he is now, got in touch with me. He was worried about where the club was going and wanted to protect the foundation and asked would I uh, come back and do some form of role at the foundation. And that's where it started. I met Bob. And it then went, well, look, you know, things are going well in Ireland and uh, there might be some money in Ireland. And he, he opened the door to that. And we kind of collaborated for a little while on how a, a, a deal or an attempt to um, bring money into the club from Ireland might look like. I set about doing it then with some uh, really good people, the Drumville Consortium, as they were known. And it started to happen. And eventually, you know, three or four months later, it, it got real legs and we uh, we entered into negotiations with the club. And with the board of the the PLC board, which uh, although it wasn't active because Sunderland had been part of the Blue Book Rules of London due to being a, a PLC within seven years, there was uh, there was a lot to consider with people who had shareholdings, etc., from outside the the club's board and and direct shareholders that uh, that had to come into consideration. So it was quite a, an arduous process, you know, to to buy a former PLC and to um, I suppose plan and help protect the club and go forward. And and Bob was very open at that time. He didn't have many options. And uh, as worried as he was for the foundation, I think he was just as worried for the club and wanted to find a, a good successor to him. So when it comes to finding a manager, I'm probably skipping forward quite a bit, but there you go. As far as I'm aware, Roy Keane was always your first choice. 
Yeah, before the deal went through, uh, Roy kindly came over to one of the Drummerville members' house and we we got together to to have a chat about it, all of us, not just Roy and I. And it went really well and it looked as if we were, uh, you know, all set to um, to go forward with with Roy coming in at the same time as the announcement would be made that the, the, the club was, was going to be bought. Assuming that happened, like we, we, we'd explained that we're not quite there yet, but if, if it'd be great to have him wrapped up, should it all come through? And uh, that 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 went very well. We, we thought we were there. And then as it went through, uh, Roy had second thoughts. He'd literally just walked out, out of his football career or, or finished his football career, I should say. And um, he, he wanted to go on a holiday, have a think about things. So we, we pressed ahead with the deal anyway. And uh, it was um, always his for a period of time. So I went in and uh, took literally, you know, uh, overnight said, okay, we, we, they played a game in Shelburne in Ireland and I, we went to it. I traveled back with the guys and the next day I sat behind the, the desk for the first time and the day, a day or two after that it was announced and, you know, I was doing press. So I was assisting with trying to get shareholders over the line because there needed to be 90% or more of the shareholding to have agreed the deal. And uh, I suppose I was making phone calls to long lost shareholders no one had, had heard of for many years and uh, trying to pick a team, trying to get to know the team, trying to instill a bit of positivity in there, bring bring a, a better harmony into the place. But it was, uh, it, it, those first week, it was whirlwind stuff, you know, the, doing the media, etc. Everything that was going, trying to get the right message with the fans. It was all uh, helter-skelter stuff, but the one denominator was the dressing room was a losing dressing room and the players were frightened, yeah. you know. It was uh, that, that's that's the outstanding bit, and and also there wasn't a great will for people to stay there, you know. Uh, I decided to see them one by one on that first day, and I did it in alphabetical order, not to uh, not to you know favor anyone or people who might have been there when I was there. And uh, Ben Anik was was the first guy in, and Ben wanted to move. That you know, he handed me a letter and said, you know, it wasn't even worth talking to me. Uh, and I asked him to hold off on that. Uh, I then asked him to send in, uh, you know the next person and uh, they come in and went, yeah, I want to move. First three people in all wanted to move. And so uh, this isn't going well, right? So we've got a lot of work to do here. And uh, tried to make training a bit of fun. You know, we weren't there to to, uh, to to become Pep Guardiola. We were actually trying to create a bit of harmony in the dressing room for the first few days. That's why Bobby Saxon came in to give me a help. Um, we, we were doing what we were doing. I think we went up to Carlisle on the Saturday, won a friendly, handy enough. The guys were in good form. We headed off to the first game then after a week's training. Plus, I'm still trying to get the deal over the line in the meantime, dealing with, with everything else, trying to uh, get players in. But of course, we couldn't get players in because we weren't allowed to spend money. Uh, the deal that, that Bob had done was, you know, that we, we couldn't spend money on the club's behalf if we weren't the rightful owner. He'd let us in to, to get it going, which was very fair, you know, yeah. not giving out about that. And so we were on a few free transfers here and there trying to trying to get this thing going. Went up to Coventry, I think, first game. Um, from what I remember, Darren Murphy scored. We were in good shape. And uh, and then, very quickly, I understood why why uh, the, the club was in so much trouble the year before. Coventry had a throw-in, not long to go. Our lads turned their backs. Coventry scored a goal. And minutes later, Stern John, who we later bought, scores another one. And as tough as that was, the, the impetus that you were trying to, to get going with them, you know, I knew there was, something, there was something very big needed there to get that. And so we, we stayed at it. Bob and I stayed at it for a couple of weeks and we, we were a little bit alarmed about the um, the lack of belief in the dressing room that yeah. these players could get themselves out of this and, and that it was a new journey that they could go on. And we said it to them a couple of times, you know, there's something very big going to happen here. You know, you've got to try and prove to us you want to be a part of it. 
And uh, it it obviously uh, coincided with us staying in touch with uh, Roy Solicitor to see what the story was. And then eventually uh, we got the word that he'd, that he'd come back. And so it all set up nicely. We'd just been beaten by Bury. Uh, we got a man sent off in the first minute who we'd sort of done all our tactics around for the three days before him. Uh, are now, Rene now, and he was going to be our main man. And he got sent off before any of us had taken our seats. So at that point, I looked up and said, God, you don't really want me to do this job, do you? <laughs> but um, but we were happy enough because we knew that Roy was favourable to come in at that point, and uh, w- he didn't come till the week after. But we we um we had a game at the weekend against the league leaders. Word had started to seep out that it could be Roy that was coming, and um, and the players all played thirty five percent better on the Saturday. We beat the league leaders easy, and they were all up for it. And it was amazing. That was a little twist even before he came in the door. He'd caused that, and uh, we were. Uh, quite pleased Bobby and I that um, there was something in there that we weren't wasting our time and that the players could go into a better place and then the deal itself went through and we were able to buy a couple of players and um, you know we, we bought them six on the last day I think that's a pretty yeah. well known story and it, it started to happen and we went again then at the Christmas window and the, the, the march carried right on and we became a Premier League club way ahead of schedule you know and uh, it was it was a great time you know, there was a, a wonderful feeling around the city, not just the football club. And we were back where we belonged and there was something really positive to build on. The connection with the with the fans in the community was strong and we started getting ideas about making things bigger and better. And uh, even the, the, the people who work at the club themselves, the non-footballing workers, if you like, you know, it was important that they bought into this and yeah. that they were happy going in there. So we, we got it going, I suppose, is the best way of, of saying it. And it was hard work, but it was it was it was great. Roy did his stuff players started to to believe and then you know back in the Premier League we knew it was going to be very very tough but we got there to, to stay up that first year was was very important and also you know times as, as that time was coming the, the world was starting to change and particularly Ireland because Ireland fell off the side of the commercial earth and uh, the collapse of the Celtic Tiger meant our Drumville Consortium had to readjust and their priorities of course were their primary businesses were you know hundreds of people were being made redundant and you couldn't just be seen to be sit on top of a football club yeah. and heading over to England every week uh, while all these problems, huge, huge problems were, were mounting in Ireland. So that was the point when uh, we, we, I met Ellis Short and Roy met Ellis Short and uh, and Ellis came in and Ellis gave us the opportunity to uh, to go a little bit deeper in the transfer market and do a little bit more if we could get it right than just staying up on the last day, you know, and, yeah. and it, it took a while. Uh, but we we got some very good players in. We went on on various runs. Um, if I was to look back at the time, you know, uh, it 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 got pretty it it got pretty tense with the first season un, under Ellis, where we had to stay up, you know, just to make the the, the program work for him for the future going forward. And uh, obviously, Roy left, and we had to uh, do something. About him, we said, "Okay, do we appoint another manager here that um, will try and do what Roy did, or do we try and get them back a little bit just to see out the season?" And that's where Ricky Sprague came in, and Ricky got the dressing room back into a good place for a period of time. Uh, no disrespect to Roy, but uh, the, the dressing room was confused a bit uh, at that point once Roy had left. We said, "Okay, we'll get them smiling again and see where that'll do us." And, and Ricky went in a great run until Spurs scored in the last minute here in a game we had it wrapped up, and Ricky gave the players a load of stick on the TV, and uh, the players. As players do, they they um they don't mean to do it, but the the performances dropped off, and we just struggled till the end of the year, uh, and and limped over the line, if you like, um, 
just rewinding back mm-hmm. slightly as well, when with um with Roy, one one thing I was quite curious with, um, if it wasn't Roy, who would it have been that would the project? Well, have been we, built we spoke around? to we spoke to Martin O'Neill as well at that time. Yeah. Uh, but his wife had been very poorly. Yeah. He'd left Celtic, so so Martin was uh, someone who we'd spoke to, and we had a we had a list after that, but we didn't want to go too far into that list. Okay. And we didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of interview people and say, sorry, you, you were never in the in the role in the first place. You're never mm-hmm. in the hunt. Uh, we also um, sought permission to speak to Sam Allardyce, who was at Bolton at the time, but we weren't allowed permission to do that. So they, they were the areas we were thinking of, you know, um, as a group. Uh, but then, you know, the, the fact of the matter was, you know, Roy came back into into Vogue very quickly because he, he expressed, you know, opinion he had his holiday and he, he felt, yeah, I'll come up and have a chat and let's see where we go. So that was great. Yeah. And so the, the, our, mind, our minds were made up then, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's why I sacked myself after a great victory against <laughs> West Brom. Uh, but it, it all started to work well and it went right through then as as, um, as I was explaining where Ricky, you know, uh, hit the ground running with the guys, got them into great shape and then faded away. And and, and we both agreed on the last day of the season, we, we hugged each other in, in a private room and we both said, okay, done the job. That's me. I'm, I'm a coach. Yeah. You know, Ricky was, Ricky's been, I'm a coach, not a, not a manager. And, um, We've done the job, and and it was great, and and then we were able to have a good look at what was out there, and, and that's when Steve Bruce yeah. came out. We felt Steve was ideal now, just to to stabilise, maybe build a bit, and uh, and and we had some good, really good times with Steve Bruce. You know, uh, there was a label there, being being a, a Geordie, which uh, didn't sit well with a lot of people. Um, they, they forgot it when we'd have good victories, but uh, you know, some great ones, Chelsea away in particular, I think was yeah. one one of my favourites. Um, but do you know? Uh, by the way, can I just say my favourite moment, both playing here and being involved in, in the administration of the club, uh, my favourite moment was Carlos Edwards' thunderbolt to, to virtually yeah. bring us into the, into the, uh, into the yeah. Premier League. That was the, that was the one. But going back to, uh, to Steve's time, then Steve came in and, and brought some shape into the planning uh, after, you know, Ricky had kind of got us over the line and Ellis was, uh, was, was good. Ellis allowed us to spend money uh, over and above what the club were earning. And so it, it felt it was going the right way. It really did. And we had, uh, you know, a, a, I suppose a, a good go on the transfer market at, at that yeah. time. But we also, I knew I had to balance it as well. So hence, you know, Jordan Henderson went. Um, Darren Bent, we didn't want to lose Darren. Um, I wanted to yeah. touch on that, actually. Yeah, Darren, Darren was scoring goals. But, you know, in fairness, you know, when, when the agents are coming and, and telling you you can get a load of money elsewhere, you know, it it upsets every player. It doesn't just upset Darren Bent. And what, so, what's the situation with Bent? Because I mean, you're talking about the the project and how how well we did under Bruce. And I really 100 percent agree that with Bruce, I wasn't too sure at first, and then it worked. We got those results. We had that that time when we tailed off. But I think a lot of people would pinpoint what was our eventual downfall to where we sort of found ourselves maybe last season as mm-hmm. Darren Bent going. And we we've spoke to Darren Bent. Connor mm-hmm. has spoke to Darren Bent previously, and I think. Everyone's got their own story. The story's sure. quite easy. We were at pre-season training in Portugal and his agent mm-hmm. turned up and said, uh, we want Darren to go. We've done a deal with a team in Turkey. Okay. So that was in the in the, in the the summer, in the in the preparation for the season. We said, you must be joking. Darren's going nowhere. He said, okay, then give him what the Turkish people were offering him. And mm-hmm. to give Darren the money that the Turkish people were offering him at that time to keep him happy was just impossible. It was just blown, blown, yeah. the, blown the whole thing apart. And we couldn't do that. And... Uh, and what we what we said, you know, Darren got himself in the England setup. Great lads, scoring loads of goals. It was just this is a, this is the kind of problems that football clubs have. You don't just have them when things are going wrong. You have them on the on the upside as well. 
and we we managed to fight that one off and went ahead you know with the with the plan um he ca- carried on he played he w- he was on the old wage he didn't sign a new contract and the christmas time came and steve came in to me and said uh if we get good money can i spend it you know and uh i said well, yeah well I, I don't know who's going to give us good money he said uh, i've been told aston villa are desperate and aston villa gave us a, a huge return on on darren uh, for it to happen and we uh, we took that decision, and we we took the decision, I suppose, because we felt Darren was playing and wishing he was on far more money than he was, and and probably rightly so because others would give it to you. And for for Darren to say we 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 uh, kicked him out is actually not 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 true at all. Nothing would have given us more pleasure than to give him a, a long term contract with a with a pay rise, but not at the levels that other clubs were prepared to go. And so rather than have an unhappy player there. At, at that period of time, Aston Villa came in and offered us a, a huge amount of money, culminating in twenty-four million pounds uh, coming our way. Um, we just felt it was the right thing to do, and we would try and find a replacement for him, and uh, and go from there. So, looking back with the money that the club spent, even in the six years after I left, uh, you know, had we kept him, did it guarantee anything? It would have just guaranteed one thing: all the players would have come in and look for crazy money. And so, you sometimes you have to uh, do what's right. For that, for the for the balance sheet, as more as just to say it was the right thing to do with the players, and um, you know, and, and we took we made the decision to uh, to move him on. You also had another player, another person we spoke to. Me personally was uh, Asmo Jan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, and he had a very similar story. Asmo Jan is the exact same. This is so, yeah. so whatever players say, I'll tell you what their agents say, and I'll tell you what goes on behind the tell scenes. Tell me the whole lot. <laughs> so, well, that's it. And so I told you um, as it is, but but Asamoa. Asamoa uh, came to us by his agent who said, uh, I must go now, I have a huge offer in the Middle East. So we said, no, we can't take that. Um, and we did the same thing. We waited a six-month period uh, for Asamoa to, to come back into line. You know, we give him a, 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 a contract with a pay rise, but it, it paled insignificantly to, yeah, to what was on, on the table for him from, from Alain and also the, the pressure they were putting him under. We were hoping he would go there for three months, hate it and come back. And he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the, the fact of the matter was they were probably offering him five times what he was on with us and there wasn't, we were told there was no tax on it. So in theory, he was earning 10 times more to go and play there. Yeah. These are the problems. If we were up at the top and fighting for, you know, a league title, you know, you, you, and, you, and you've got the kind of ability to keep players the way those top six clubs can, then it would have been different. But we were Sunderland trying really hard to keep everything working and if one of those players had been given the type of money they looked for, I, 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 I certainly didn't want to sanction that because it was putting the club at a, in a terrible position of going because we, we were never going to earn any more income. Mm-hmm. And we were up at the limit with what we could spend, bearing in mind that Ellis Short gave us a lot of, of money. And uh, to go to an, another level would have just blown the club into a, into a dangerous position. And, and we made that decision. It was uh, almost like a financial facts of life that we had to abide by. And as Asamoah went, um, Jordan went. We couldn't hold on to Jordan any longer. So those three deals alone brought us in well over 50 million, 50, 60 million. So yeah. you have to do a bit of book balancing as well because Ellis had, Ellis had, had done some, some really good stuff. You know, I can remember when Catamol became available late on yes. and uh, we, we, we were managed to get him. We beat off a couple of other clubs because we didn't split the fee. We were able to pay up front. Ellis allowed us to do that. There was moments like that that people don't know or don't read about Ellis Short that... Uh, showed where where his, 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 I suppose, where his metal was. 
And uh, that wasn't the only one. There was other, other cases we were able to buy players because of that. Michael uh, Turner, I believe, was one of them as well, wasn't it? Uh, right. Yeah, I think there was other clubs in for Michael Turner, yeah, yeah. Um, when, when he came from Hull. And uh, and then when you when you do that, you, you, you have to balance up the books, you know, and you see it this year. It's not, it's not any different. With Maja this year, you know, I, I, it was terrible that, uh, his his development here was stunted by what happened, but economics come into play then. And I suppose you know, you, 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 I, I understand exactly what the the board here were going through as that whole thing was was developing. And it's one of the big problems with with a club who aren't in the top six or top half regularly. You know, uh, the agents are, are almost saying, "Look how well my fella's doing at Sunderland, or look how well he's doing at a, at a club in the bottom half. He's going to do great for you." And, and they're always then able to up the ante for the player that the players should be getting in terms of salary, putting pressure on the club to sell. And, uh, you know, we made the decision to sell because, you know, we we were in danger of spending way too much and finding the club in deep, deep financial trouble. So I made the decision to to really, you know, consultation with managers, etc., on uh, those two players that you mentioned. What you're hoping for is then that somewhere along the way you can get somebody in for half that or quarter that and they come along and start scoring goals. But that 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 was um, very hard to do. We tried, but yeah. it, it didn't happen. Talked about um, the situation, and I think um, I, I can only speak from a fan's perspective. Um, I'm certainly no businessman. Trust me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, when Bent went, and when Henderson went, Jan went. We brought in like the likes of Seb Larson, Craig Gardner, who who mm-hmm. did a job for Sunderland, mm-hmm. very much so. But it felt like we like lost a lot of the quality quite fast, and I think that eventually contributed to Steve Bruce's sacking. Now. As far as I'm aware, Steve Bruce was always your man and your choice. Mm-hmm. He was someone who you backed a lot. And not too long after that, obviously, that your relationship with someone as a chairman and Ellis sort of, it, it felt like it ended abruptly. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that was to do with, did you did you have maybe a falling out over the sacking of Steve Bruce? No, or a not at all. No, no. Um, I think it was the best thing for everybody. And, and even though Steve took it bad for a while, he ended up speaking to me again um, <laughs> because it just it was the correct thing to do with where we were. And uh, Martin came in and I had three months with Martin. I, I can't remember losing a game. The place was absolutely flourishing under him. James McLean came along and lifted the yeah. the spirits of everybody when he, he came on as sub in that first game. And, um, you know, it looked as if it was in the right place. I had kind of done my time. Do you know, when, when, you, when you look back, right, so when the club was being uh, sold to Ellis, I felt I was part of Drummerville and we were all leaving and it was just yeah. Ellis asked me to stay. Yeah. You know, so um so I did stay and I was 6 years away from my family at that point as well. Uh, my kids teenage years were non-entity for me, you know, a non-event. And uh so I, I made a decision uh that at that point in time that, you know, my my life as Sunderland chairman was over my uh value value life if you like because uh I, I'd had a go. I'd done certain things. It had gone to a point. It was somebody else's turn. And as it turns out, Ellis had, had found uh, some time then to do that job himself. And so it kind of, it was a, an easy enough transition. Uh, Ellis was pretty good to me on the way out in terms of, uh, you know, he, re- he released a lovely statement about me. I was I was happy I'd done what I'd done. It was a, a ballsy, brave thing to do for looking back for a, a player who um, had, had no experience in corporate finance or, you know, acquisition. And then to run the club and to bring um, my thoughts and ideas into into the club and to keep the books as balanced as we could uh, with Ellis's help, um, you know that that was uh, that was the added bonus, and it was somebody else's turn to maybe spend Ellis's money or, or to um, or to bring a, a 
I suppose, a viable equation into play where the club could could go. And a number of people tried it after I after I was here. They mightn't have been chairman, but they were given the footballing uh, director role or what, I don't know. There was a couple of different titles um, to people who came after me. And and you know, um, I know how tough it is. So I'd never have a go at anybody here who 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 who, who uh, spent the club's money and things started to go wrong, etc. And managers and fallouts and you know, it's part and parcel of it. And the day, you know, you stop to think and say, well, do you know what? I was better than him or he was better than me. You're at nothing. It's a really difficult, difficult process. And I felt, you know, it was a good time to go. I felt the club were in good shape. They were in no danger of being relegated. Um, we were ninth, I think, in the Premier League the day I left. Yeah. Uh, I think we were still in the cup, getting ready to play Everton, if, if my memory serves me well. we just beaten Arsenal. Yeah, that's correct. And there was a great buzz. And I felt Martin had the whole thing in pretty good nick. Uh, it was time for me to go. And... Um, you know, and it was time for Ellis to put his spin on it, you know, um, and and that was it. It was a it was a family decision as well. You know, I, I hadn't seen mm-hmm. my kids' teenage years, you know, for 12 to 18. And I was never going to see them again when they left home for college and stuff. So I made it. I made a, a conscious decision to get home. This is probably going to be a, a long winded answer because so I'll ask you to summarize it as best as you can. But I don't think you personally would have you know, envisioned the way things eventually went under Ellis Show. And, and me personally, I don't think, I think it's hard to question his money. And I think it's hard to question his intentions. Mm-hmm. I think there's other things that can be questioned, definitely. But in your opinion, where did the Ellis Show era go wrong? Well, I wasn't here when it, when it kind of collapsed. Um, you know, you can point to, to a lot of things. I, I, I have always tried to remind people the, the positive things that you mentioned that Ellis brought to the club to give us a chance to maybe become a top 10 club. Yeah. Okay. And that's where this club deserved to be. So I, I had those conversations and he believed in that and he went into that. When I'm not here, I can't really speak to see how other people did what they did. And I just said a few minutes ago, I'd never call people for, for getting it wrong. I, I, I just know how difficult it is. Um, I suppose... You know, when I look back, I, I look at hard luck stories and the biggest hard luck story was England coming along for Sam Allardyce, you know, because that just looked the right fit at the right time. And that looked like it was all going to be up, 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 you know, um, yeah. that, that match against Everton at the end of the season that came Brilliant. to it. You just felt, wow, this place is in good nick now. And then, you know, the the, the call up to England proved ill-fated for everyone, for England, yeah. for Sam Allardyce and for uh, for Sunderland. So so that was a, a, a turning point, you know, Um the only thing I probably feel bad about, or not feel bad about, do I feel bad about? The only thing I would I would regret happening after I went, even though I'm, I've already said to you, people shouldn't do this. I couldn't believe the concerts were stopped at the stadium and the joy that they were bringing to the city for a couple of weekends every year and the income it was bringing uh, within the city, the visitors, the the, the way it was putting something on the map. And I, 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 was, I was a bit disappointed to see that because I know how hard we'd work to get them. And then for it to end up in Celtic coming down and hammering us when it was meant to be a, an exercise for the for the better of the football of the club, um, that would be just one that I, I wouldn't have agreed with. But other than that, all the other decisions are really tough, really hard. They're made, um, you know, I, 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 why on earth would I, haven't had it so hard myself, why on earth would I try and work it out why other people didn't do it? <laughs> um, it was, it, it's not the easiest station. And uh, one thing I, I've always felt, and I never spoke about, uh, my time that much maybe I'd have a bit of fun with people say yeah it was great did things whatever but to go and dig deep and uh, and start rolling out blame other than yourself I think you look a bit of a fool you know yeah. uh, I know how difficult it was Bob Murray knows how difficult it was Ellis Short knows how difficult it was all those people who come after me in the director roles 
it's 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 not the easiest job to get a football club to, to it's like a ship in dry dock and trying to turn it out and get it off flowing beautifully off out to sea it's very very hard and i just had a go at it and i got criticism i got pats on the back it, it comes with the territory uh but the last thing i want as a legacy of my time here is to start blaming other people for what they did after me i yeah. think that's that's pretty poor so i've got two more sure um I believe, and I'm saying I believe because you hear all sorts of rumours, uh, there was a consortium that was looking to take over in the summer. There was quite a few, I think, evidently, before Stuart Donald came in. heard there was some rumours they want to put you in charge. Uh, is that a correct rumour or not? No, I had um, I'd possibly up to about four different people, some I knew, a couple I knew, a couple I didn't, who said they were interested in doing something at Sunderland. Would I be interested? And I said, well, no, but I, I, because it's just... I'd had my time at it, but if you need a little bit of a hand to understand the club more, because I think sometimes in this case, people look at the, in, in Sunderland anyway, they look at the books and the finances and don't estimate the impact value of fans loving a football club in, in the manner of, of a club that I'd never seen before. And when that passion flows freely through the football club, how do you put that on the value of what you're buying and if you want to really weigh it up properly yes you get x in season ticket money you get x in tv money you can get x in advertising money you know but really you've got to add other serious things to the equation like the foundation and, and what that does for the city and the good that it, it provides and and the goodwill that it the club receives from it um you know th there's so many more attributes to the football club than just the finances when you're yeah. looking at it. And those who spoke to me about wanting to understand that and wanting to make that part of the the, the the approach in, I suppose, you know, understanding whether they should buy the club or not, they were the ones that I spoke to and said, well, from my point of view, and I kind of said the same thing to, to, to all four of them who, who did show an interest in, in maximising that that impact that, that the people needed to reconnect with their club. You know, and and I I stuck to that. I didn't stick to to the other bits that that was their uh, world. And 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 as it happens, they fell away. And in the end, Stuart Donald came in quite quickly. But make make absolutely no bones about it. You know, however things work out in the next few weeks, whatever happens, you know, Stuart Donald and his team got two very important things right on day one. They reconnected the club with its fans. That that's that's not simple. You know, um, to win the football club and and manage to do that. It, it, it was excellent, but probably just as important, they've got a fine manager. They picked and selected a fine manager that nobody else even knew about. Yeah. And I think they're, they're two very big things that give the club a great chance. And so, you know, um, it looked like we'd got a bit of a superstar in Magia that was going to bring us all the way to uh, to promotion. But these, see, things are put there in front of you running a football club. And I know the difficulties that, that these guys face. And so just going back to... Um, you know, to, to finish off the question and, and was I interested? No, I was not interested in becoming chairman of the club and leading the full sort of uh, battalion of requirements that you need as a leader to make a club great again. But had they, uh, I suppose, put the foundation in there as an important and integral part of their thoughts going forward, um, had they understood the value of fan engagement, which... You know, in fairness to Stuart Donald, the guys, they did. They went yeah. and met them and they they, they spoke and uh, they were very, very honest, very open. And, and you know, I admire that. Now, I, I didn't speak to them, by the way. Uh, as I said, they come into it late. But there's a lot to like about how that all uh, 
took place. And um, I think, you know, it's uh, it's good from the outside looking in because I'm still a fan. My, my son is a ridiculous fan, you know. Uh, he, he's... Um, He's he's my kind of sound box now, everything Sunderland. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, it's still very much close to me, but I had my turn. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I got things right. I got things wrong. I think the passion of the club came alive for a period of time while I was here because it had been, it had been uh, you know, tested, to say the least, in, in the previous regime. And um, do you know, when I look back at it all, I think, if I had to stop to think about it, even for a day after Bob Murray spoke to me, I probably wouldn't have done it. I'd have took the easy life. I'd have played golf <laughs> and I'd have gone on TV and said how bad everybody else was doing it. Yeah. But sometimes you got to, you know, stick your, your, your neck out and, and take something on as alien as it was to me uh, in terms of running a football club and the business side of it, etc. But, uh, but one thing I'd like to, to think is that um, within the club itself, we had on the fan side, be it on the, the non-football working side, be it even on the football side and the coaching and the academy that we got the planning permission for, that Alice paid for, the, the, the finish off, etc. All the stuff that that came, you know, I always tend to stay positive, you know. I don't I don't stop to think about, you know, the things that went wrong uh, for other people. I, I think about them on myself all the time. What, what could I have done better, you know? Um, other than give Darren Bend five times that everybody else was on, <laughs> uh, which may have been the right thing to do. You know, and and I've re I've real time for Darren, I really have. He was he was looking to get the best for himself, and his agent was too, and I get that. Um, but having said that, you know, I'm I, I'm glad he didn't let his contract run out, and he went and he'd go for nothing. Go for you know, yeah. <laughs> so so there's a balance you have to strike with stuff like that, and um, the you know the same with Asamoah, you know, uh, Jordan. I wish we Jordan for one more year. Yeah. Now, because I think he struggled in his first year mm -hmm. a little bit and I think we would have put the finishing edges on him a little bit better with one more year. Yeah, I agree. But then, you know, um, for a kid who gave everything to the club while he was still a kid, you know, uh, we had we had to think about it and it really would have been holding him back if something had happened in that in that final year. And, you know, we, we, we would have, um, A, we would probably got as much money from him and he would have missed that opportunity. And and we always knew he would he would get there given the right ship to sail in. Yes. And, um What's even more admirable about uh, how he's how he's got to where he is now today is that it wasn't going well for him, and there was even talk that Brendan Rodgers might have let him go and gave him the option, but he stuck his head down like all good Sunderland people and worked his way into a brilliant position. I say it to people all the time. I met a couple of the players from the current squad. You know, um, these people work hard. They're fanatical. This club shouldn't be in the third tier. It shouldn't be in the second tier. You know, but one thing they will do no matter how bad times are, if you're working hard and you show bottle and you show a bit of heart for this club and they see you not going through the motions and not using it as somewhere to get your next move, if they see you buying into this and putting a uh, putting your life on the line, your footballing life on the line to get this club right again, they'll notice it, they'll spot it and you'll become somebody who'll get a big kick out of that uh, fan engagement. If you want to blame other people, and say it's fans' fault or it's the coach's fault, then yeah, take that option. But the ones who make it in Sunderland are the ones who stick their chest out and uh, brush away all the negativity and 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 turn around and do it. And it means more when when it, when it happens. Then yeah. Final question for you, mm -hmm. and you can make this as long and short as you want. <laughs> um, what do you view as your greatest success during your time as chairman at Sunderland? Well, um, where there are great success, mm -hmm. where the great successes, I don't know. Um, Oh, look, there's a number of things added up together. 
uh, that maybe make a little bit of success. Um, certainly wasn't managing the team anyway. Let's get that straight. Uh, <laughs> no comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you know, speculation when, when, you're involved, when you're involved in a football club and what people are talking about and people are thinking you're doing this and the press are there every day. Um, I, think, I think getting the club uh, into shape to believe again you know, even if it took us three years to get back up to the Premier League, but to, to do that uh, took took some doing. But I didn't do that. I picked somebody who did it. Yeah. And and Roy Keane did that. Yeah. You know, and everything that happened, you know, Roy Keane lifted Sunderland as a city. He didn't just lift the football club. He brought a winning mentality and a belief with people that this thing can go forward. And the club meaning so much to people meant their other things in their life could go forward. Now, that was the big, that was a, a big gamble and a big risk because I hadn't spoken to him since we'd had the Saipan fallout some years earlier. And so for that to have worked and for the club to have benefited from it, yeah, it was a gamble. But um, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be really happy with that. Uh, and then at the tail end, I suppose, as, as you know, everything that happened afterwards, uh, that little things, I'm very proud, you know, that Gary Hutchison came to me and said, uh, I'll bring concerts to the stadium if you give me a bit of backing. You know, Gary was a young lad at the time and anyone else would have laughed. And I backed him. And... Nine months later, take that. We're playing. I think they played about eight nights or six nights yeah. here in a row or something, Phew. you know. And um, and to see that happen to people, and see the good coming out in people, because the, the the fans were obviously up and down as they are as they have been in the history of the club. But the people who work at the club, they were my responsibility. I was their kind of boss or their leader, and to see them recover from the redundancies that were made shortly before I got there to a to a kind of a a beaming place where people really enjoyed going into work that made me feel everything was good because then the outside world is good and the connection between everybody was was worth it so right long-winded answer you were dead right but, <laughs> but in finalizing it um i would say connecting all the parts of the club to feel good about the way things were going for a period of time brilliant answer okay. niall thank you very much you're, for you're doing welcome. it thanks for um, me. i hope you enjoyed it ah yeah it's great thank you perfect no problem Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.